Hello and welcome once again to 401 Stories. This is the 401 Story Laboratory, the podcast within a podcast where I talk about the stories, I talk about their origins, where they come from, how they were adapted, if they were adapted, the recording process, and so on and so forth. So, if this is your first time listening to 401 Stories, first of all, welcome. Thank you very much for deciding to listen to me. Uh, now, stop. Uh, don't. Uh, you should probably go back and listen to some other episodes because, you know, listening to me talk about stories that you haven't heard, probably going to be kind of boring. And Well, for all I know, even if you've heard the stories, this could be boring. I don't know. This is an experiment. Give it a go if you wish. Um, if you are a long-time listener, you probably noticed that the intro was a little bit different, as in there was no talking in it. Let me actually play the original, the original intro, the one that I decided not to use. Um, I'll talk about that for a second. From fairy tales and campfire legends to modern fables and folklore, we have 401 stories, and this is one of them. All right, well, there you go. <laughs> a little bit uh, reverby, a little bit pretentious, and a little bit not good. Um, <laughs> uh, I wanted the intro to to just throw out there as quickly as possible. You know the the, the premise of the show, because when I tell people that I do storytelling, whether it's podcast or live performances, because that's that's what I do, most people assume that I'm just like sitting up there and reading uh, the Cat in the Hat and Very Hungry Caterpillar and so on and so forth. And then the people that do not think that usually assume that uh, you know, it's a, a like personal storytelling, like the moth. And while I do do both of those things, uh, that's not what I prefer to do. That's not my wheelhouse. Like I, I like telling stories that are, well, I don't know, listen to the podcast. These are the stories that I tell. These are the things that I like to do. I like characters and plots, and you know, I like becoming my own one-man theater troupe. Well... For the podcast, I then recruit other men and women to help me out, but that's beside the point. I'm, I'm, I'm getting off on a tangent, which I assume will probably be <clears throat> par for the course. But anyways, so I recorded that intro and edited it up, and I sent it to my brother, who is my artistic sounding board, as well as one of the best people ever. And my brother is a very honest man. And his honesty is only exceeded by his uh, kindness. <laughs> so he um, he will give you honest critiques, but with the softest of uh, the the nicest of you know, velvet gloves. You know, he's like, oh well, it, it sounds nice, and you know, but it's a little bit. I I I don't I can't remember what the exact word that he used. It was like morbid. <laughs> well, you know, it wasn't actually morbid, but you know, like like stuffy, like something like that. And so, uh, uh, I agreed. I eighty sixed it, and then you know, I went with the the current one. Once again, it's time for once upon a time, a time. 
right? Welcome to 401 Stories. Yeah, I like that one. Um, evidently other people do too, and so we ran with it. I think it gets across, you know, the once upon a time bit gets across that I'm telling narrative stories and, you know, then it's a little tongue in cheek, but still earnest enough and kind of breaks the wall a little bit, which is something that I enjoy doing a lot. Well, anyways, uh, the music that you hear there, and I do I do plug it at the end of most of the episodes, is uh, a clip from the song Lost River by the band Murder by Death. I tried to do it the right way. I sent them an email. And uh, here's a, an, an, an excerpt from the email I sent to Murder by Death. <clears throat> For me, what has set you apart from other bands is your use of character and story in your songs, both in lyrics and sound. Well, that and the cello. I don't want this email to devolve into a fan letter, but I want to get across that your music is an inspiration in my own art. So, yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, uh, it totally was a fan letter. And spoiler alert, uh, Murder by Death was really kind, and they didn't make fun of me for a corny letter. I've been told I'm too old for that stuff. <laughs> but it, what are you going to do? They're awesome. Um, and they, they were nice enough to give me the, the, the permission to use their awesome song in my silly little podcast. So that was very nice of them. And I'll continue to plug them because more people should listen to them because they are awesome. So, yeah, that's uh, the story of the thing before the story. So I guess let's uh, jump into the first story. Welcome to 401 Stories. Episode number one, The Monkey and the Firefly. Once upon a time, there was a monkey who lived in the forest just below the mountains. So, all right, Monkey and the Firefly. You know, as I said before, I'm a storyteller. It's going to come up a lot. I'm not saying it like, a, you know, an affirmation or shouting from the rooftops. Uh, I'm saying it because that's the reason why I do this podcast, and it's just going to keep coming up uh, here in the story laboratory. And actually, this isn't the first thing I did called the story laboratory, uh, segue time. The... Story Laboratory is the name that I've given to a series of shows that I do where I try out all new material. You know, when I have a whole bunch of brand new stories that I haven't performed out yet and I want to try them out and give them a go and see how live audiences react to them, I get in touch with some of my local libraries and I just kind of show up and I tell some stories and they advertise and they bring some kids in. You know, other live performers that are just them and a microphone like, you know, stand-up comics... When they're trying out new stuff, they get to roll into, you know, a seedy dive bar and do an open mic set at one in the morning and try out some stuff that maybe isn't very good. There's not a children's equivalent of a dive bar. When I tell stories, I get paid for it, and I feel really guilty uh, collecting my performance fee when I'm trying out stories that I don't know if they're any good yet. You're never really sure how good a story is until you actually do it and in front of somebody. So, you know, I set this up. I try some stuff out. And the uh, last series of Story Laboratory, I was searching for a story to put into a set that I was doing for the Rhode Island uh, Summer Reading Program. I had already had two stories in there. I needed, like, an opening number. So I just wanted something with really 
very colorful characters, very big characters, and preferably a really lively kind of noisy story uh, to be able to grab people and rope them in. So I tried out a bunch, and uh, yeah, The Monkey and the Firefly was one of them. I originally found the uh, the seed for the story monkeying around on, oh, yeah, I, I swear, I promise that was not a, an intended pun. Yeah, I was looking around online uh, just for some story seeds. You know, I, I have a lot of books on my bookshelf, a lot of collections of folklore and fairy tales and, you know, all dog-eared and paper sticking out of them. They look like a crime scene. It's crazy. Uh, but sometimes there's still nothing in there I really want to work on, and so I just roam around online and I Google random things. And I had found uh, this website, kidsworldfun.com, and they had a bunch of short stories and, like, really short stories. And so I was just looking through them, and I found one in there called Foolish Monkeys. Long story short. Well, actually, it was a very short story, so short story even shorter. Um, there were a bunch of monkeys, and it was really cold. They were catching fireflies and blowing on them to try to turn them into a big old bonfire. And there was a, an owl up in a tree watching them, pretty much just kind of shaking his head and yelling down at them like, like, Look, you dummies. Knock it off. You should be in that cave. Go hang out in that cave. You'll warm up in that cave. Leave the fireflies alone. And the monkeys didn't listen to him, and they got cold, and they got cold, and they got cold. And then finally they said, you know what, maybe we should listen to the owl. And they went in the cave, and they were warm. The end, the end, the end, the end. Yeah, it, it was not a great story. But the, the image of a monkey uh, blowing on a firefly and thinking that that's going to make fire just really stuck with me and resonated with me for some reason. <laughs> I don't know, that's really funny to me. And I uh, went from there. I mean, first thing that I did was I got rid of the character of the owl because the owl was not directly involved in any of the action. And my first thought was having this not be a story that was going to be recorded. This is a story that's going to be performed live. And if you have a character that's not really doing anything, uh, that character is kind of worthless because you already have a character that's not really doing anything. It's called you. You know, you... You forget, like, you, you might be portraying a number of characters, but you still have to come back and do yourself, do the narrator voice. So, you know, it's always X plus one. But anyway, so I-86, uh, the owl, he gone, and I just gave his part of the story, I guess. Oh, and, oh hold on a sec. Hold that note. It's my mom. All right. <laughs> I, I, oh, man, I'm totally going to edit this out. All right, what was I talking about? Um, <clears throat> I ended up taking, you know, what little the owl had to do with the story, and I gave that stuff to the Firefly. Because uh, if there's a rule in storytelling for children that, well, I mean, there's, there, there would be more than one rule, I guess, so... Um, you know, among the rules of storytelling, the primary, I'm, no, I don't even know that, that that's the primary, you know, I should write down, you know, I'd, I'm going to do that. So, all right, this is going to be a new segment. Let me alt tab over to word or something. So rules of 
storytelling. Number one. Don't have too many characters. Yeah, I don't know. We'll call it the Twitter corollary or something. You don't want to have you don't want to be jumping around between like four and five different characters in the middle of a story. It's distracting for the audience, uh, especially if it's younger kids. They're just they're going to be completely lost unless you are an absolute master of voice and of like movement and posture and so on and so forth. Just don't do it. Don't do it. Um, I am not a master of those things. I'm pretty good at them, but not enough to want to have a bunch of characters that really aren't all that necessary. Pretty much where you want to be is two characters interacting and then you, yourself, the storyteller, narrating. You know, that's already three voices that you're juggling, and that's totally fine. Once you go beyond there, you start cutting off your ability to to feed off of the crowd. You start cutting off your ability to improv, and, you know, you might slip up and your voices might start to drift and not be as consistent it's a pain so i took the pack of monkeys turned it into one monkey owl he gone and just the firefly and and in the original story the firefly didn't even do anything firefly didn't have any lines he was just a, a plot device and that stinks that's not fair to the poor firefly all right rules of storytelling number one don't have too many characters now, I finished writing The Monkey and the Firefly like a day before I was set to perform it live for the first time. So I didn't really have a chance to rehearse it, and I just wanted something quick and easy for the voices to use. So what I ended up falling back on is for the actual voices of The Firefly. What does that have to do with me? And The Monkey. I am making a fire. Were the voices of the characters from the Mo Willems Elephant and Piggy books. Uh, the Firefly had the voice of Piggy, and the Monkey, I gave the voice of Gerald the Elephant. As I told him a little more, Piggy got a little more, well, the Firefly got a little more, like, ag I don't know, aggressive? Not really aggressive, but you know, a little more shrieky and over-the-top than uh, Piggy which is impressive because Piggy is kind of over the top. And then the monkey got dopier and more pathetic than Gerald the Elephant, which also he's kind of dopey and pathetic. But uh, anyways, uh, those are books that I read a million times to my daughter and at a variety of story times. Like I do some story times over at like a local daycare and, you know, I worked at Barnes & Noble and some other bookstores over the years and I did story times there. So these are characters that I've done many times and I was able to fall back on them. And it just, it fit. It fit the story pretty well. And the story went over like gangbusters. So, boom. Of course I came Of course I came Alright, um, now when I record uh, these stories, I record each part uh, completely by itself. So I just do all of the narrator lines. And then I'll do all of character A, and then all of character B, and then I'll go in, I'll chop them up, I'll you know, play them over, and I do multiple takes of each line, you know, with different inflections, or, you know, sometimes 
I'll accidentally bump a microphone or a cat will do something dumb in the background. You know, just coverage. So I'll make sure you're good. And when I was recording, I didn't quite realize that when I had written the story, the last third of the Fireflies lines pretty much just screaming. Just straight screaming. Blow, man, blow, 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 blow. Blow, man, blow, 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 blow. And I had to record each line multiple times, so yeah. Um, so this uh, right here, what we're listening to, is, <laughs> is the unedited uh, vocal track uh, of the Firefly. So, yeah, I had a sore throat that day. Is there anything else I wanted to talk about with uh, Monkey and the Firefly? I don't know, nothing else really. Just aside from the fact of, if you get a story that lends itself well to being a monkey story, and you do some type of children's entertainment, good God, man, go for it. <laughs> like, if if I ju- did just monkey stories, I, I would probably be a more successful storyteller than I am now. I love having characters who are monkeys in stories that are a little more complex and have some some stuff for older kids. Because for younger kids, like anything, if, if you're pretending to be a monkey... You know, whether it's the posture or making the noise, uh, you know, going over and pretending to eat a bug out of a child's hair, it's in the audience, and just generally hooting and hollering like a monkey, like kids lose it. It is the easiest laugh you will ever get performing for a child. So, yeah, all monkeys all day. This will not be the last monkey story. Um, I have a couple in my repertoire, and there's no such thing as a... <laughs> There's too many monkey stories. Monkey stories are where it's at. Episode number two. Casey at the Bet versus Trent on the Mound. The outlook wasn't brilliant for the Mudville Nine that day. The score stood two to four with just one inning left. Casey versus Trent's kind of a curious case. I don't know if there's a diplomatic way to put it. Forget about it. I'm just going to come out with it. It's the least popular episode of 401 Stories. It's uh, It has the least amount of downloads and of people that have uh, either spoken to me or emailed me. It's the one that gets the most, you know, I really like the show, but ah, the baseball one, not so much. But the people that like it, really, really like it. it. It has its own little niche audience, and I count myself among it. Uh, I love baseball. Casey versus Trent is a poem that I wrote a while ago, and it originally was a lot longer, something that really uh, played a lot with funny rhyme schemes and went really deep on the math nerd level of baseball, where I was, you know, doing things like rhyming duress with OPS and you know just 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 pulling up pulling up stats and i pretty much just made a list of stats and what rhymed with it and kind of went from there i love the original poem the ernest thayer written in i want to say 1888 and you know there were cartoons of it and i had a picture book of it as a child and i just i, I really really loved it and there are just 
a couple of things that kind of stuck in my craw uh, as a kid. Two things. One was that, you know, my dad really taught me the intricacies of strategizing in baseball. And in the poem, you have Casey, who's obviously the best player, not just on his team, but most likely in the game. There are two outs, and he's up at bat, and there are runners on second and third. Everybody knows that when you're in that situation, you just walk the guy that's at the plate, and you pitch to the guy behind him. First base is open, let him walk on over there, and then you pitch to somebody who's not Casey. I always wondered why they didn't do that. And number two was the poem does not care whatsoever about the pitcher. And that to me is the most, far and away, the most fascinating thing about baseball. In no sport is there anything quite like the the battle between pitcher and batter. The mind games that go into it and the kind of poker game of guessing who's going to throw what and you know whether you're going to challenge somebody or know their weaknesses or whatever the case may be. And I didn't know if this guy on the mound pitching to Casey was a bum or if he was awesome. I didn't know if he was the starting pitcher that was looking to go the distance or if he was a relief pitcher that had just come in, if he was an old grizzled veteran or a young guy. So, you know, my version, my kind of modern-day reboot uh, was just an attempt to answer those two questions. Uh, why would you not walk Casey? And what up with the pitcher? I mean, the, the easiest way to, to answer why would you not pitch to Casey is through pride. And so kind of through that, is where I end up formulating the theme of uh, big market versus small market teams. All right, and this brings us to our first ever dip into the mailbag. Mailbag! <laughs> oh, if you guys uh, have any questions, you can uh, tweet me at 401stories or email me, 401stories at gmail.com. So this piece of uh, fan mail, uh, finger quotes, uh, is from Derek J. Uh, in the Bronx. <laughs> uh, and Derek writes, Dear Joe, I really enjoyed episode number two, Casey at the Bat versus Trent on the Mound. Thanks, Derek. That's very kind. But I have a bone to pick with you. You have a bunch of pics on your Facebook of you wearing a Red Sox hat. Where do you get off complaining about small market versus big market when you root for one of the biggest markets in the game? Keep up the great work. Derek J. <laughs> uh, th thanks, Derek. So yeah, um, I mean, that's, that's a completely valid question. I do hate the economics of baseball, but there are two types of sports fan. I think also. Well, I mean, there are a million types of sports fan, but I'll just I'll, I'll I'll chuck this out there. You can separate sports fans into these two different categories. There are people who chose the teams that they root for, and then there are people that inherited them. And you know what? I was born into being a Red Sox fan. It's like my family, you know. So yeah, I root for the Red Sox. I understand they're one of the teams that is lucky enough to go out and buy the Caseys of the world. I embrace that hypocrisy and i realize it would i like to see a salary cap in baseball yeah i would but as it is go socks i've been rooting for him since i was a kid thanks dad 
It's a lot easier now than it was 20 years ago, though. I'll tell you that. Anyways, uh, back to the story. I still, to this point, do most of the voices for 401 Stories myself, but I like having friends and family and fellow artists in on there, and I was honored to have uh, my brother, Adam Thoreau, an incredibly talented performer and musician and director and just a pretty incredible guy. He laid down tracks for the voices of the umpire. Strike two! And one of the hecklers. Hey, use the good eye, um! <laughs> and, uh the mighty Casey himself. One of the things that I had forgotten when I asked my brother to do this is that my brother is a, uh, how should I put this? His talents do not extend to doing impressions. In fact, he's, 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 <laughs> he's pretty terrible at them. I said there were two thoughts that I had in my mind for Casey. And we we're going to try both. One is that Casey is obviously kind of a, a Babe Ruth-ish character, you know, even though he was created before Babe Ruth was a thing. So I wanted him to try the voice of Casey in, like, this, you know, Roaring Twenties kind of gangsterish kind of voice. And then, uh, well, okay. Yeah, th th this, this is how that went. All right, Emerald. Hey, you chump, that was outside. You chump. That was outside. A little bassier. Hey, you chump. That was outside. You chump. That was outside. Less of that. Hey. You chump. That was outside. A little angrier. You chump. That was outside. You chump. That was outside. Side. Try one with, uh, between your teeth. You chump. You chump. That was outside. You chump. That was outside. Then I asked him to, uh, try a southern accent. And this is what I got. You chump. You chump. That was outside. You chump. That was outside. You chump. You chimp. <laughs> you chump. That was outside. <laughs> I think Actually, there were some earlier ones that were really good. Okay. <laughs> oh, I could listen to that all day. No, actually, there we go. You chump. You chimp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it never gets old. It, 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 it. You chimp. You chimp. <laughs> chimp. Uh. <coughs> I love my brother. Well, anyways. So, yeah. And now, you know, so I ended up going ahead. And obviously, we, we didn't want to deal with that kind of a southern accent uh, for another character. You chimp. So I did the, uh, I did the manager uh, myself, and then the only other voice that I really wasn't quite sure what I was going to do with was Trent himself. I, I could have hunted down another friend to do it, but I was coming up on my self-imposed deadline, so I needed another voice. And so I'm like, well, you know, I'll do it. I mean, first I went with my kind of old 
reliable. <laughs> my, uh, my, my fallback voice for, for characters, which is this kind of wimpy, squeaky voice. Please, coach. All I ask of you is that you let me try. And it just, it, it didn't fit. It, it made Trent sound like he was this five foot nine, like junk baller straight out of high school. And, you know, I, I, Trent was, is supposed to be, you know, an, an imposing presence. So I really was just learning the ins and outs of the free software audacity on which I've edited thus far every episode of 401 Stories. And they had a tool in there, the uh, pitch shift, where you can just take a sound, like your voice, and change its key. So <sighs> I took my wimpy uh, Trent lines and shifted them down a couple notes, and voila. Please, coach, all I ask of you is that you let me try. Just look at Big Cash Casey and his million-dollar And it didn't sound too bad. It sounded a little bit kind of... Fake uh, witness protection program, but only if you're really looking for it. So, yeah, don't look for it, please. Yeah, so that's uh, that's Casey versus Trent. I love Casey versus Trent, and uh, so does so does Derek Jeter, evidently. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, he has a lot more time on his hands, uh, now that he's retired. Um, I'm, I'm glad, you know, come on, give a brother a retweet there, uh, Derek, you, you're killing me. But anyways, um, that's the end of this episode now. Uh, I don't think I have anything else to say. If I do, I'll add it in post, so. You chimp. You chimp. <laughs> Whatevsies. So, yeah. Um, and I had... St- I had told myself that I wasn't going to do the podcast thing where I asked for people to rate and review my show on iTunes. And I'm not going to do that on the nice, scripted, well-edited episodes. But on these Story Lab ones where I'm just talking, it's just you and me, yeah, do me a favor, if you don't mind, uh... If you have a couple minutes, you want to see 401 Stories continue to grow, uh, jump on iTunes, give me a review, write up a little something. If you don't want to, well, just give me a star review. I'm not going to ask for five stars unless you think it's a five-star show. If you think it's five stars, give me five stars. If you think it's four, give me four. If you think it's one, give me an email. Let's talk about it. I'll see if I can change your mind. Anyways, uh, yeah, so... I will be back uh, November 1st uh, with a brand new uh, story. And in the meantime, I may uh, throw out some more Story Laboratory episodes. Uh, If you did enjoy this, hit me up. Again, contact information, 401 Stories, wherever it is, uh, at Gmail or on Twitter or on Facebook. You know where to find me. And, uh, yeah, thanks again for listening, guys. I really appreciate it. Peace. You chimp.